This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. This is Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge on News Talk 770 Radio, Calgary's breaking news and conversation station. Off the top of this hour, it seems as though GMOs, the fight over GMOs, never far from the headlines. Uh, just recently in Ottawa, there's been a challenge launched regarding uh, genetically modified salmon. And it's something that uh, I guess now the courts, as well as regulators, uh, are considering. A lot of jurisdictions as well been going through debates over mandatory GMO labeling. So it seems to be a, a constant and ongoing controversy, even though we're talking about a lot of different instances and a lot of different uh, scientific advances and technologies. Uh, so it seems as though an issue where I, I think there is a lot of the fear of the unknown, right? And, and when it comes to food science and agri-science, we're making a lot of progress. We're making great advances. And I think there's a lot of tremendous potential in those advances. Uh, but there's a challenge, I think, in keeping the public informed on all of that and what it means. And it creates a void, I think, for people to you know, raise questions and raise fears about this technology that, for the most part, I think are, are pretty baseless. Uh, if you're interested in finding out more about these issues, there's an interesting event taking place tonight uh, here in Calgary at Mount Royal University. It's called Faith on the Plate, uh, sponsored by Center for Inquiry Calgary. It's at 7.30 tonight at Mount Royal University. You can find out more at centerforinquiry.ca. But speaking tonight at this event is uh, Dr. Cammie Ryan, social sciences lead at Bayer and uh, professional affiliate uh, bioresource policy, business and economics, University of Saskatchewan. Dr. Ryan, great to have you with us here. Welcome to the program. Well, thanks, Rob. I appreciate that. But can I just correct something? Uh, I am actually with Monsanto. Uh, as you probably know, Bayer has uh, announced that it wants to acquire Monsanto, but that's actually not going through probably for another 12 to 15 months. Oh, is that right? So, Okay. Yeah, yeah. So that's going and to change. That's a topic, right? Okay. Well, and but and let's start there because to a lot of people, then, right? The the word Monsanto is a very loaded mm. word. A lot of people believe a lot of terrible things about Monsanto. So, but why don't we give you a chance to start there? Well, uh, yeah, Monsanto, the company, actually has been a bit of a lightning rod. Uh, a, particularly as it relates to GMOs, uh, you know, around some controversial and often uh, misleading information out there. The company actually, uh, it does, it's a, it's a leading producer of GM seeds, genetically engineered seeds. And uh, I think that the issues get very conflated very quickly. Um, it's very rarely that I'm online and in a conversation where we're talking about GMOs and then the then the topic might switch to vaccines and then to animal health and then back to agricultural uh, sciences and so forth. So there's a lot of information out there. There are a lot of channels for people to connect and to talk through, but there's also an awful lot of misinformation. The company itself is, uh, it, it, you know, it produces only a, a portion of actually the seeds that are genetically engineered and on the market. There's a lot of other companies that do the same thing kind of work. Mm -hmm. Monsanto is, uh, is, is 
It's not as big as some people might think. In fact, it's uh, about the same size as Whole Foods from a revenue standpoint and maybe a little smaller than um, Starbucks, but a whole lot smarter, smaller than, say, Verizon or Microsoft. Uh, it also, we have a very, what a lot of people don't know is that we actually have a vegetable seed business. We produce we, vegetable seeds through um, traditional plant breeding. And they're out in the market there, available for anybody if they want to produce them in a conventional way, they can, or they can produce them, you know, organically. So, uh, I mean, there, there, there's a long list of things that uh, and information about Monsanto that's not necessarily true. And um, it's complex topics, and it requires more than seeking information through Google and looking at the two first two pages that return on the topic, right? right? Now, you, you were previously at the University of Saskatchewan, right? Yes, I was. For, for a number of years, years. Yeah. Um, so, given what you're doing in academia, and I guess what you're doing in your new position now, how much of that role is doing this kind of thing that we're doing right here, getting out and, you know, trying to set the record straight uh, about agri-science and food science? Well, the team that I work with in, in scientific affairs, a, a lot of what we do is around science communication. It's not just about um, helping people to understand, you know, our products a little bit better and maybe the company a little bit better, but the reality is because Monsanto's become a bit of a lightning rod around these issues, that, that re- those reputational impacts have actually affected agriculture more broadly. And that's, that's probably... M- personally what motivates me most is that um, that's been probably the, big, the biggest negative impact out of all of this is that people are vilifying farming more broadly or conventional farmers more broadly because of all of these things and because of the misinformation. So uh, my team and I at, uh, at Monsanto, we try really hard to make sure that whatever kind of science is you know, out there we try to come up with ways to communicate it in effective ways, not only to, you know, for our customers, but also for science and society more broadly, because we think this is an important issue. It's not just about genetically engineered seeds. Mm-hmm. It's about um, really understanding new technologies and what, they, what that means for society more broadly. What are the problems we're trying to address that we're hoping that new technology will allow us to do? Well, I mean, there's a there's I mean, there's so many good stories out there. Uh, but but I mean, for instance, let, let me talk about some good stories at least. Let's start with that, and let's start start about how the and then we'll move into how the misinformation has really impacted, you know, or held up other innovations that I think are important. The papaya story out of Hawaii is an excellent one. Um, Papaya, the papaya industry, uh, I mean, Hawaii is a big player in, in papaya production. And they were faced with a, uh, a, a disease that ravaged their entire industry and threatened to shut the entire industry down. A public sector scientist there at, in Hawaii actually developed a virus-resistant papaya through genetically engineered technique that actually saved that industry. And um, I think that that's a really good story coming out of this. We've got great stories in Canada here with canola, which was tradition was conventionally bred in the 70s and developed for human consumption at that point. But then we had genetically engineered varieties come out of the 1990s that um, that were herbicide resistant, which you know had lots of benefits in, t- in terms of both preserving yields, but also um, in in allowing us to adopt 
no-till or conservation till uh, production methods, but also better for the environment overall, you know, using less uh, less uh, pesticides and, uh, you know, and thereby, you know, enabling farmers to produce better or produce more and less land. And then you have the Arctic apple story. So that's another one, a small company that developed a, a non-browning apple that has some really good uh, good benefits for the downstream consumers. So there's some good stories out there. Yeah. Well, the, the Arctic apple one is interesting to me because it was, um, you know, such a, I think, a brilliant innovation and, and in a way, quite simple, just switching off one particular gene and that was it. But even on something as straightforward as that, and this is an important point that maybe you could elaborate on, that there is a process, right? These these products or these technologies have to go through uh, what can be a rather lengthy and thorough uh, approval process. Definitely. Um, so these are very these are the most tested food products on the in the history of food production. Modern food production are actually over the, our history overall in terms of managing food. And in Canada, it's, uh, we have a platform where Health Canada, the Canadian Food Inspection Agency and Environment Canada actually manage this process. It takes, for, to bring a, a GE crop to the market, it costs about $140 million and 13, at this point it's like almost 13 years. So it takes a lot of time and a lot of money and a lot of resources to kind of meet all of that and those requirements. Uh, in order to get that product on the market. So it's pretty significant. What about the term GMO itself? I mean, it's, it's become part of, of the, uh, you know, the, the everyday uh, vocabulary of people we all refer to it. And I, people, I think, have a sense of what it means when they say it. But from a scientific point of view, does the term GMO, does it, does it have meaning? meaning? Is, it, is it misrepresented? Well, you know, I did, because I'm a social scientist and I tend to like these kinds of things, I kind of was trying to go back and figure out, well, where did this term start? Because it's not a scientific term. Scientists that work in this area will never refer to themselves as I'm a GMO scientist. They will say that they're plant geneticists or pathologists or breeders. Um, GMO has become kind of a political idiom. It's part of our, you know, I think a common vocabulary and it, it probably incites certain thoughts around the term, but it doesn't, it's not a scientific term. And I think it's often misinterpreted because, it, you know, if you look at survey results, people will recognize the term. But when you dig a little bit deeper in terms of what their knowledge is behind what that term really means, they often don't really know the science behind it. it it's actually a genetic engineering. That's the scientific term, and it's a technique genetic engineering is a technique of removing modifying or adding genes to a living organism right which in a way we've been doing for decades yes probably in less precise ways though right right? we have been you know we're we've been an agricultural society basically for 10,000 years and in that time everybody who who has operated in the agricultural space and even 10,000 years ago was trying to be more productive um because they're trying to feed people. Same thing we're doing now. The difference is, is we've got different tools out there. And the thing is, is that genetic engineering is one tool in the toolbox. It's going to take a lot of different um, um, methods, production methods, organic included, to feed this growing population we have on the world. 
So when, when you see on labels, and, you know, it gets into labeling debate, but there's certainly some companies because um, it's it becomes a marketing ploy, right? I think organic, for example, has become a, a marketing technique. But when you see products say they're GMO-free or where, where no GMO even exists, like GMO, our, all our beef is GMO-free. You know, you, you, you hear these claims, you say, well, that doesn't even make sense. But there, there seems to be a lot of that these days. Well, I think that there are people out there that are operating in competitive markets, and I think that they see this as a way to push their products ahead of others. It's a strategy, it's a technique, but I think what happens is it gives the buyer uh, or the consumer a, a feeling that if GMOs are bad or genetically engineered anything is bad, which is not the case at all. I mean, these things have been thoroughly studied. Um, there are, are organized food safety and health organizations all over the world that will attest to their safety, including Health Canada, and you know, including the USDA, the uh, American Medical Association. I can go on and on. So what happens is, is that I think the label can often, you know, third-party certification. There's a non-GMO third-party certification. They use this this quite a bit, non-GMO, and it's on a lot of products. We see it. But the irony behind that, and this leads into what I think we should talk about a bit, Rob, is about misinformation, is that a lot of these tags or identifiers or labels are on products where there isn't even a genetically engineered equivalent out there on the market. Yeah. Um, and I've, I mean, I've seen cel bags of celery uh, labeled as gluten-free. Well, there's no gluten. There never has been gluten-free <laughs> exactly. gluten so right now on the market, there are um, uh, nine or 10, 11 uh, genetically engineered crops grown. And I think a lot of people have the impression, based on these third-party certifications and so forth, that, that everything is genetically engineered. And it's not the case. Most of the things that we do eat are actually produced through uh, traditional plant breeding methods. All right, well, Cammie, stand by. We'll, we'll take a break, and we'll come back and pick up on that point, continue our conversation here with Dr. Cammie Ryan, uh, social sciences lead at Monsanto, soon to be Bayer, and as mentioned, professional affiliate uh, at Bioresource uh, Policy Business and Economics, University of Saskatchewan, speaking tonight at Mount Royal University. Faith on the Plate uh, is the name of the talk, sponsored by Center for Inquiry. More at centerforinquiry.ca. We're back with more right after this. Bruce Kenyon with you. We're here for the Hospital Home Lottery, and we're here in the show home. We're in Cranston's Riverstone. Uh, let's see here. Well, we wanted to tell you first off, before anything else, we've got the uh, deadline tonight for the early bird draw. you got to purchase your tickets before midnight to be eligible for a fabulous package. It's the 2017 Jaguar F-Type, and you also receive 10 flight hours in a private jet, or you can take $150,000 cash. So if you're planning on buying a ticket, the smart move would be to buy it before midnight because even if you win the early bird draw, your name goes back into the draw and you're eligible for all those other prizes and there's more vehicles and there's more trips to win and of course there's the grand prize home but midnight tonight get your tickets if you wanted to view all the prizes and everything else best way to do it and to purchase tickets is to go to the website that's calgaryhospitalhomelottery.ca i'm bruce kenyon on news talk 770 afternoons with rob breckenridge starting at 12 30 on news talk 770 calgary